at home too, and uh, we are still here for you. Well, friends, like Joe said, we are looking at a story this morning. Um, it comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the human one is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and some still say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said, What? about you who do you say that I am Simon Peter said you are the Christ the son of the living God and then Jesus replied happy are you Simon son of Jonah because no human has shown this to you. Rather, my Father who is in heaven has shown you. I tell you that you are Peter, and I'll build my church on this rock. The gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Anything you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven. Anything you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Christ. It's the word of God for the people of God. We say together, thanks be to God. Friends, will you please pray with me and for me? Holy Spirit, you are alive, living and breathing in this place, wherever we are at right now. For you know no bounds. Holy Spirit, you are here and you are at home. And Holy Spirit, wherever we are at this morning, speak so that we can hear you. And Holy Spirit, blaze a fire in our minds, hearts, and the very core of our souls to further equip us to be your people in the world and let all I say point us toward that goal and that goal alone. Amen. So last week, we started this journey about what it means to not just believe in Jesus, but what it means to follow Jesus. Too often we have just reduced the Christian life to just coming to a building one hour, one day per week and agreeing to a list of beliefs. But our faith journey can and is so much richer and deeper than that. There is, like Joe said, a greater purpose we get to live into as part of this journey of following Jesus. And for this series, the way we are going to discover what it means to follow Jesus is by looking at some of the most important spiritual moments in the lives of one of the first disciples, Peter. 
And last week we started this journey with Jesus approaching Peter and some of the other middle-class fishermen and offering them the choice to begin this new way of life. And somehow, this teacher, this new guy from the no-good town of Nazareth, where nothing supposedly good would come from, convinces these middle-class fishermen to give up their security and go on this uncertain journey of following him. So now Peter and his other radicals, these new disciples, these comrades, these partners in mischief, have started on this radical path, and their next step is to answer a question. Who? Who have we decided to follow? And Peter gives us our answer in our story. You are the son of the living God. Peter is proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, which for this culture, this time, means that Caesar is not. Friends, if you haven't noticed, this is an election year in our country. Proclaiming Jesus as Lord is a political statement. It always has been. Since Peter said this however many thousands of years ago, it was a political statement then and it is today. But it is not a modern day partisan statement. It's a difference. We've all lived through these seasons before. We know we're going to be receiving a lot of different messages from a lot of different people. And those messages matter. We go through these times and countries because they matter. But as people who are seeking to follow Jesus in this season, the witness of our faith has to be an allegiance toward a different kingdom, the kingdom of God and not a partisan party, no matter what that is. We are called as people of faith to live into this kind of hard tension where we recognize that we're not apolitical because we don't want to act like policies and all that doesn't matter. But we also don't want to enter into this nationalistic and partisan zeal that causes us to lose our witness. There is a healthy and yet also admittedly difficult tension there because most things that are difficult also have an aspect of growth to them. This past week, I listened to a pastor named John Huckins, who is also the co-founding director of an organization called the Global Immersion Project, which is a peacemaking organization helping people deal with conflict. That dealing with conflict in ways that bring healing. And I really appreciated his words about what he believes our role as people of faith should be in the political realm. This is what he says. We are to pledge our allegiance to the kingdom of God 
while leveraging our nation-state citizenship, wherever that may be, on behalf of those on the underside of power. Pledging our allegiance to the kingdom of God, leveraging our citizenship on behalf of those on the underside of power. All of us in some form are going to be tempted to ramp up the partisan zeal. The machine has been, this political machine has been built for that. And we as people in faith need to remember where our citizenship ultimately is, and that's heaven. When we proclaim Jesus as the Son of God, which is a statement affirming, affirming that he is our Lord, he is the Messiah, he is the one we have decided to follow, we are to use our platform to care for the people that he did, the orphan, the widow, the stranger. The lordship of Jesus came since the very beginning when Jesus began his ministry to proclaim good news to the poor, set the prisoner free, recover sight for the blind, and liberate the oppressed. The lordship of Jesus Christ makes us confront where our allegiance lies, no matter what that may be. And I find it so remarkably interesting that Jesus asked Peter and these other disciples, he asked them this in Caesarea Philippi. Because in Caesarea Philippi, they had just built a temple to worship Caesar. And before that, it had been a place of worship for a Greek god. Idolatry was present, and it was alive and well in Caesarea Philippi. It's worth recognizing that Jesus asked his disciples who they say he is in a place where empire worship was considered what you were supposed to do, was considered law. Throughout his life, Jesus always puts himself at odds with any empire allegiance. No matter who we are, the longer we follow Jesus, whether we're in the beginning of our faith or have been seasoned, God's spirit tends to just continually over time confront us no matter who we are, with allegiances that we suddenly realize may not be built on the kingdom that Jesus has come to build. doesn't mean that we previous, hadn't previously accepted Jesus as Lord, but rather that this journey of following Jesus is a continual journey. It is a process of going deeper and deeper throughout the years that we follow him, and part of that process is that over time, we discover areas in our life that Jesus is not, in fact, king. And that is when we once again confess that Jesus is Lord and our sole allegiance belongs to him. Because allegiance is, a pop, is an important term, is an important word. And sometimes we 
misuse that in our culture. We say it too flippantly. And the world will continue to watch whether the church will be loyal to a political party, doesn't matter which one, or if we're loyal to a different kingdom, a kingdom that will, that absolutely refuses to fit neatly in any political box, a kingdom that denies this belief that you have to be either this or that. Because our world doesn't like people who don't fit into a mold that deny the label of something. And none of this means that we necessarily distance ourselves from the political world. It means that we interpret the political world through the lordship of Christ and prayerfully discern how to use it for good. It means that we as people of faith in this season, do not have to be held captive to a partisan world. And we are free to imagine what the kingdom of God can really look like. It allows us to enter into a new world where we participate as people who are empowered by God rather than just conforming to partisan demands. This frees us to be God's people rather than worry about trying to make sure we check off all the boxes of the team we most align with. And we witness this in our modern day world from people like Brian Stevenson, a lawyer who used his education to help free a black man on death row named Ray Hinton, who was framed by white police in Alabama because they just had to pin it on the murder of a local woman on someone. If you haven't seen the movie Just Mercy yet, I would highly recommend you do. I'm sure Stevenson has political leanings, but he was fueled by his kingdom values that cost him something. But it led him to life. We see this in the Gospel of Luke with a woman named Joanna. And Joanna was the wife of a man named Cusa. And Cusa just happened to be a servant of King Herod. So her source of income was coming directly from the king, from the empire. And Joanna gave out of her funds to the ministry of Jesus. She could have continued on this lifestyle of just being a comfortable politician's wife and all the benefits of that. But instead, she chose her allegiance to Jesus which I'm going to think that considering her position in that political realm and in society, that was a very risky thing to do. And this is what they do in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, when the church is starting to gain momentum, when the church, when more people are starting to follow Jesus. Well, <laughs> more people starting to join this new way of life cause some trouble. And the authorities come and accuse a man named Jason who was trying to follow Jesus and bring others into this. And this is what scripture says that the authorities said about Jason and the rest of the people. This comes from Acts 17 verses 7 through 8. These people 
these people who have been disturbing the peace. They were seen as people who were upsetting the status quo, disturbing the peace throughout the empire, have also come here. In other words, they are saying, this movement is growing and we don't want you in our backyard. These people who have been disturbing the peace throughout the empire have also come here. And what is more, this guy named Jason has welcomed them into his home. And every one of them does what is contrary to Caesar's decrees by naming someone else as king. Jesus. He named someone else as king. That's what we get to do today. Name someone else as king. And the good news is, friends, this king offers us a life no emperor can, no matter who they are. Because he offers love. Offers complete acceptance. Offers grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. How many times can I say grace? He offers unimaginable mercy. Then he commands us to love our enemies. He requires forgiveness. He calls us to sacrificial justice. He calls us to a kingdom where the last will be first and the first will be last. He calls us to a new heaven and a new earth. And that we have the privilege of being a participant in creating that with God. Thanks be to God that that is who we get to call king and nobody else. Thanks be to God. Amen.